Hey guys, it's Matt. This episode of Table 40 is presented by the Increase Discipleship Handbook. Have you got your copy yet? It's available at theincrease.com and is a great resource to help you along your faith journey. Pro athletes and others, including Leslie and I, are going through this handbook over the next few months. You can get your copy right now at theincrease.com. I know it'll help you in your spiritual journey. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Table 40 Podcast. Matt and Leslie here today, and today, uh, as we continue on in the uh, Discipleship Handbook, we will move past sin and into God's grace, which is uh, a lot more fun to talk about. So, Leslie, let's, uh, let's dive into some God's grace. All right, Matt, a couple summers ago, I had this opportunity to read this book by an old theologian named Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Mm, and so he's old from Diedrich. old Diedrich. And um, I would, I wish we were friends. We will hang out in eternity someday. He's one of my very favorite guys to read about. And um, he was a German pastor and he opposed the Nazis back in the day and did it with word and action, which I think is super impressive because oftentimes we can oppose things, but very um, rarely do we, act right like like it's hard to it's hard to rebel against things that are so powerful but Diedrich Bonhoeffer did just that and and he's a very fascinating person to learn from and read about but he wrote this thing about the cost the book's called the cost of discipleship and it's a fantastic fantastic book kind of long but well worth it um one of the ideas in the book is about cheap grace and so I think when we when we talk about grace we do need to talk a little bit about how Diedrich Bonhoeffer. You like to say that name. I like, we should have named one. If we have another <laughs> child, maybe we go Diedrich. I mean, first of all, there's all kinds of problems with that statement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I know it's probably maybe a dog. Like if we have another dog, we can, we can name him Diedrich, okay. but I don't know what we would short it to like deed. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. So I do like saying his name. It's a, it's a cool name, but I say it a lot because I really want you to go get the book. Um, It'll take you a long time to read it, but it's, it's worth it. It's really long. <laughs> and so he talks about uh, cheap grace in there. And that's something that I I do want to talk about a little bit, because I think um, as Christians and those have been like involved in church and raised in church, like sometimes we talk about grace and we just don't consider like the depth of God's grace. And because we don't, and this is what Diedrich Bonhoeffer talks about a lot is how we don't consider um, how offensive our sin was and the problem of sin, which we talked about last week. Like there's just such a severe offense against a holy God and grace is required. And we should be very, very careful that we don't cheapen grace. And um, here's a quote from the book. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance Baptism without church, without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate, which um, costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field. For the sake of it, man will go on and sell all that he has. It is a pearl of great price to buy which the merchant will sell all of his goods. It's a kingly rule of Christ. 
for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. Costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again, the gift that was, which must be asked for, um, the door at which a man must knock. And so I think that that's something to really consider. Are we viewing this gift of grace in a cheap way? Are we are we preaching forgiveness without requiring repentance? Like, the, like that sort of thing. Like, are we considering the offense of our sin or do we just assume that God's going to be gracious to us because it's just what God does? So what do you think about that? That's a big, like, what do you think about I mean, that? Yeah, Don't you hate lot. it when I do that? Yeah, I mean, you just read off like- <laughs> Yeah, a lot of things. things and, yeah. Uh, well, I, I think that uh, we as humans and as a culture, particularly now, uh, we do tend to minimize our sin or compare our sin, as we talked about last week, about my sin's not as bad as this person's sin. So therefore, uh, I don't need to feel uh, some of those, the the repentance that that I should feel or the confession or the, um, I shouldn't, um, <clears throat> I, I guess, grieve my sin as much as, as, as I should because I compare it to others. Yeah. And so therefore, it cheapens the grace that it requires because my sin is is just as sinful as anybody else's yeah. sin and therefore my repentance and my heart that you know sort of my the grace that i need is 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 just as um well it's the same for all of us we right. all need god's grace and to remember uh to not cheapen that grace by remembering of what it costs that's right um i think sometimes we as a society we we cheapen the grace because we lessen the sin based on our opinion of how sinful it is. Yeah, sense? and we let we lessen the cost because we didn't see the crucifixion. We have no, we're so far removed from what Jesus actually did for us that it's lost its power sometimes. And so I think just the challenge that I that moving into this week, once we get started talking about God's grace, is the gospel makes much of sin because Jesus died to redeem, redeem us from our sins. Um, to pay the penalty of sins. And the more we appreciate sin, the more we can appreciate grace. And so I think that we just need to spend some time this week as we're studying the gospel of God's grace and to, and to just consider um, how costly it was for Jesus to come here and sacrifice his life for us and for the sins that we've committed against a holy God. And so I think that we should be very, very careful not to cheapen grace and and um, the gift and and the power of grace is it just should be marveled at more consistently than than we do. Yeah, and I, I think that that's Satan likes to dull our, our yeah life. awareness of what Jesus yeah. did. No he, doubt he about likes it. To, to dull, um, you know, the thoughts of those things, and that's you know that. Uh, I think that that's something that, you know, we don't consider is, is in, in the world, like Satan will use distraction. We think it's these, it's these big things. Sometimes he just distracts us or dulls us or um, keeps us overly busy or, um, but I, I think that when you, like you're talking about stopping and, and taking a, an inventory on what grace actually looks like and what the cost of sin actually is, uh, I think it is, it's important for us to, to understand the gravity and the uh the bigness of what um jesus did for us as far as uh wiping our 
daily sin and, right. and that our grace is new every morning. Uh, we take that for granted. And I think that that's something that, you know, I personally uh, take sometimes for granted is, is that his grace is new for us every morning. His mercy is new for us every morning. So, um, yeah. And I think too, we need to do a better job. And then I promise we'll get started on, on this chapter. Are we not started? Yeah, we are started, but I mean, like following the the book here, mm. I think something that I want to get into a habit of, and I don't, maybe you can help me with this. I'm sure you would love to, when I say it, you're gonna be like, yeah, I'm in on that. But I really want to, I really want to be a better repenter. Like, I really want to start to acknowledge, I'm just at a place in my relationship with Jesus where I am so all in, like I've seen the power of Jesus in my life and I've seen it in others' lives. I was having a conversation just yesterday with a friend that is really starting to believe like that, that Jesus has um, the power to change a worst case scenario. And, and she was like, I, I learned that Jesus sits with sinners. And I, and I learned that I have the power in my words to encourage this woman that is in a really tough spot in her life. I can point that woman to Jesus and there's power in that. And as I, I hear stories and I, I get more um, consistent about being in the word of God and more consistent about learning about the word of God, Jesus Christ walking around and showing us what God is like. I really, I really want to pursue becoming like him more aggressively. And so I think like experiencing God's grace, it has to be like this rhythm in our life where we start to acknowledge sin and we start to repent from sin more consistently. And then we can really have our eyes open to the beauty and the power of God's grace. So maybe start helping me um, saying, hey, you know, there's an opportunity right there for you to repent. From sin, you were really sure. <laughs> Over great. Be sure you read the room before you <laughs> before you say that, because uh, you know, I mean, because like even last week, I was so angry with something that went on with Ethan at school, and I handled that really embarrassingly bad. Like I called and I was so aggressive with the person that made this decision, and I I didn't represent Jesus well at all. And I felt that like I should probably call and apologize to this man, but I still haven't done it. It's Monday. So maybe today's my day to shine, but you know, whatever, that's neither here nor there. That's just an opportunity for you guys to hear that. I really don't have it all together. So, but I am growing. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think sometimes like trying to live like the disciples and the people that spent time with Jesus and their, their practices and their habits and what they did might be a good idea for us yeah and so like I, I think when you think about repentance and, and those things and, and what that looks like yeah for us it should look like it did for them mm -hmm. and sometimes I, I guess for us we just live in this busy world where we're just always going and instant gratification and we can't sit still on our phones on the tvs and and this everything is is distracting us from the practices or the habits that were um you know, they didn't have TVs or anything to keep them busy. So yeah. what did they do? They like, prayed a lot. They repented a lot. They spent time reading. They, they were in fellowship. Yeah, they were. And eating for us, we can't wait to get done eating so that we can go watch the next show or get on our phones. And so I think that we lose a lot of the great habits that our Christian ancestors thought yeah. were good for us. Yeah. Yeah. We need to get back to that around here. 
Um, okay, so let's go. We have our, have our handbook out, the gospel of God's grace. And, and we can go through here and you guys can read it on your own. I want to highlight Romans 5, 8. Um, rather than giving us what we deserve, this is an opportunity for us to celebrate the goodness of God, to celebrate God's grace in our life. We deserve the wrath of God because God is holy and, and our sin is very offensive to a holy God. And, and we see in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so there's hope in that verse. Um, there's a reality in that verse that needs to be acknowledged is while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so I think that that illuminates this truth in scripture that God knew exactly who he was saving. Like the, the, our salvation is because of Christ alone. And so we're going to jump on down to at the very bottom of this discipleship handbook. It says, look up Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. So keep that in your mind, but the Romans 5, 8 verse, and then jump on down to Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. And it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. I gave you a bonus. I read you verse mm, yes, 10 you as did. well. But I, I, I think we have to. We have to read verse 10 as well. So, Matt, when you hear that, I'm sorry, or babe, when you hear that, um, I know you don't Great. like that. And so when you hear that, what do you think? Does it make you kind of like, like, what do you think when you hear for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit last night. We have our, our Bible study with college athletes, and I think sometimes for us in this culture, or maybe even just personality as an athlete, sometimes when somebody tells you that, like, this is not because of your work, like, you can't earn this, like, sometimes we go, well, yeah, but I've spent my whole life trying to earn stuff, like, there's, you know, hard work and discipline equals earning something cool. And sometimes it's hard for us to receive a free gift and to understand what that looks like, because we in this culture are told so much that uh, you can do it. You can, you can make it yourself. You can, you know, this self-help self, -help, self uh, accomplishment uh, culture. Um, so when I hear that, it's sometimes it's, it's, it's tough for us to really take that in and, and own that. And, understand that and and let it and let let that uh let that sink in or, or happen for us and so um it's it's hard to believe that you know it's it's this free gift mm -hmm. um and so i i sometimes we need to just just be the in that and let that sort of marinate in us that it's nothing we can do and that you know it, it takes a lot of pressure i think off of us if we actually will dive in and kind of believe that yeah. And, and like, even from a practical place, like how refreshing is it to be in a relationship with someone that doesn't need anything from you? And I think you can answer that better than me because of the position that you've had in life for as long as you have, but how great is it to have friends that don't need anything from you that, you know, like, you know, how it is like when the phone rings and there's particular people that call, you know, how many minutes is, is it going to take for the ask to come? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what we talk about. Like, uh, that's a it's a stressful situation where you're just waiting for what do you need from me, and 
And when you have friends or people in your life that don't need anything from you, when they do ask you for something, you you can't wait to give it to them. Yeah. But for us or for me, um, you know, more often than not, there's something that that and, and not so much now that I'm retired and I'm not as cool, you know, as far as I'm not playing currently. Um, so it's not as much now, but you know, in the middle of your career, when you're when you're doing uh you're a St. Louis Cardinal, it's a big deal. And people you know, there's a value in, in things that they can get from you. Um, it is, it is, it is nice to have people in your life that don't need anything from you. They're just your friend because they, they like you yeah, and that they don't need anything. There's a purity in the relationship that exists. And I think that that's, what's so neat about this framework of scripture is that, <laughs> that our relationship with Jesus is like that. Like, look, I have it all. Like the Bible talks about this all the time. And this isn't the subject of today, but someday we'll have to talk about money on here because money's talked about more than anything else in scripture. But scripture says like, man, God owns it all, like, like all of it. And so, and I think that that's a really cool thing. Like the guy that owns it all wants to have a relationship with me that costs me nothing but costs him everything. And, and then there's no strings attached in this relationship. Like we can't earn something because he owns it all. And I think that there's such a purity there when you sit back and really think about it and you think about it in your life and the people in your life that don't need anything from you, that just see you and they love you and they want to be in fellowship with you because of you. Like that's the same thing that God is saying in, in, um, in a relationship with him. It's like, like I bought you, I love you. I paid a great price for you. And I just, it's, it's a gift for you because of my great love for you. I don't need your, I don't need your little get mm -mm. every once in a while when you get it right. Yeah. I don't need, I don't need that for my, to love you back. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, I think and your motives, by the way, and that one thing you did right deep down, we're not because really you're thinking like, Hey Lord, did you see that? Yeah, did you see how I exactly. handled that? So I nailed that. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, uh, okay, you should, for by that, the way, you have my spirit. <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. And so in verse 10, even though it's not on here, I love this for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I think that again, I need to study this further. So I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, but something but that about I'm about to, I'm about to do it. And so email me if it's wrong, but in, in Christ, it says, um, we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I wonder if, so I'll phrase it like that. I wonder if like preparing in advance for us to do is when we look at God's design and we look at Genesis one and two, and we see like this beauty in the way God like assigned us work, meaning that like, Hey, I want you to rule over my creation. I want you to be super creative. I want you to work with me on all that um that I created and and make it better. And I wondered that if that's what it meant. Like in the purity of Genesis 1 and 2, like the work that God prepared for us to do was he just wants us to have maybe he let me use like words that are just not so firm, but maybe God God wants us to be creative in the gifts that he has given us. To, to move people towards glorifying God in whatever, like whatever vocation that we happen to be in. You know, I wonder if, if like when we become uh, followers of Jesus and we accept this, we accept this truth that for by grace, we've been saved through faith. 
This is not from yourself, but a gift from God, not by works that no one can boast. When we accept that, we understand that we're God's handiwork and we understand that we've been given this opportunity to use the gifts God's given us in a creative way to glorify him in whatever um, vocation we have. Because when you look back at the beginning, that's what we were called to do is perfect fellowship with our creator and then amazing fellowship with the creation, but move them towards worshiping the creator. I don't know. Deep thoughts by Leslie. Does that make sense? Or was I just rambling? No, I think so. I mean, I think when you talk about work and you talk about God created us to work and, you know, I I think for, even for, for me, like getting done playing baseball, like there to, I don't know. I think that there's, there's work for us that he's created for us to be people that work. And then there's community through work and there's people and impact and, you know, there's, there's a severe sphere of influence when you work and when you're doing things that I think he calls us into relationships and, and all kinds of, I think when you look at it sort of as a ministry opportunity, it might change your perspective on work. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at, um, and I, I'm blessed because I got to do something that I love for work yeah. and not everybody gets that, but I do think when you look at it as different than just the 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 physical labor of work when it's actually maybe your you know your your sphere of influence for god that that maybe it might change your perspective on things yeah and i think that that's gracious to the lord because the curse said like hey men you're gonna have anxiety with work all the days of your life and then you're gonna die like that's paraphrasing like what it said but because of jesus in the in the grace that we receive like we can use our work and things that cause anxiety to glorify glorify god i don't know i was just thinking through that about just the great how how like powerful grace is um for those of us that are that are with jesus in christ all right reflection question i love this one where have you seen god's love and grace in your life and how does his mercy and grace toward you impact you that's for you. Oh, I thought you mean you no, this you're is just for talking you. about how much you love the question. I do. I love it for so you. You don't love the answer to answer it. Mm-hmm. I might answer it. I don't know, but I would love for you to answer it. Where have you experienced God's grace? Made it shorter for everywhere. You. Well, specifically, let me change the question. Where have you specifically experienced God's grace <laughs> this week? Ooh, that's even so specific. Um. Well, I mean, I think every day when we're around the athletes and the kids that were around and even our own kids we screw it up we mess it up we you know there's just you know and i think god's grace to give us uh we talked we talked about it like new mercies every morning like we screw it up with the kids we screw it up with each other we screw it up with i mean there's you can find god's grace for us everywhere on a daily basis and so specifically um you know just with um parenting or you know coaching this week around you know you may say something you wish you hadn't said or um you know maybe don't say something that you should have said uh and so I, i think that i mean i you know looking back on this week i mean I, you need it every day and i think that that's what god says why he said that, that your your mercies and your and his grace are new because it's it has we he knows we how much we need it mm-hmm. and so i think would i have any big huge specific screw-ups that come straight to mind right now uh no but 
I, I there was plenty of little ones, quote unquote. But you know, like I don't know, is that even answer the question? Yeah. All what right. You think about it. What have I like? Yeah, okay. <laughs> how have I experienced specifically experienced God's grace this, this week, morning? This morning. Oh. <laughs> Not this morning. It's it's, it's super, my day hadn't been long enough yet. Um, I think that for me, what has been, like I told you earlier in the podcast or or whoever's listening to this earlier, like this motivation to become more like Christ. um, I've been thinking through that. Like I've really been evaluating my life in a way that I've never evaluated it before. Like, okay, what, what areas in my life do I need to just give to Jesus? What areas in my life do I need to repent. And, and I'll tell you something that was really cool is I was reading through, um, as I'm, as I'm meditating on these things and, and trying to aggressively become more like Christ and not in a legalistic way, but in a full of joy way, like I'm starting to make this connection that becoming more like Jesus is just a life of joy and peace. And, um, so anyway, I'm reading through the Bible and I get to Luke five and I'm pretty sure it's Luke 5. I should probably uh, double check here real quick, just so you go to Luke 5 and you're like, oh, that's weird. I didn't read, I didn't hear it. I didn't see that at all. There's there's no Luke 5. That's not there. So let me double check this Luke 5. Um, You know what? And it didn't. Um, It's Luke 4. And so good thing. I looked. And so I'm reading through scripture and, and I'm on in Luke 4. And it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing in those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. And so I've read that a lot. Um, we, when we study like Jesus being tested in the wilderness, I've read that many times over the course of my, my life and in reading scripture, but it was very, for the very first time it hit me that Jesus full of the Holy spirit left the Jordan and was led by the spirit. So Jesus was was full of the Holy Spirit before he, he was tested in the wilderness. And I think for me, like how that spoke to me this particular week and, and why I love the Lord and, and I, I see his, his grace has is impacting my life um, daily is, is that whenever we are trying to become more like Christ, the temptation isn't going to stop. And in fact, some, some people believe that it, that it may even get worse. And, but Jesus was prepared. And so it helped encourage me to say, okay, as I start my day, um, I, I need to be more prepared for the day. I need to um, create a rhythm in my life to where the Holy Spirit, I'm aware that the Holy Spirit is with me. I'm aware that God is with me. So when I do face temptation, I'm more prepared to face temptation because it's coming. And um, so that's how like specifically God has been gracious to me today in a desire to become more like Jesus. He's reminding me through scripture that I can't, I can't achieve that on my own and I can't create man-made barriers. I have to be so prepared and allow the spirit to um, fill me up and, and be near to me and oh, an awareness that God is with me as I go throughout my day so that um, when temptation comes, I know how to handle it with more um, fierceness, I guess, you know? And so I would say that that, that for sure is a specific way that God's grace has been evident to me this week. Um, as we move along, like one thing I want to highlight to you on page 29 is we are not saved by cleaning ourselves up by being a good person. We can never be good enough to reach God on our own performance and merit. 
Rather, by grace through faith, we are united with Jesus, and his track record is credited to our account, just as if we had never sinned, just as if we had always obeyed. And it's a highlight um, in here that that I highlighted in my book. And I think that it, when we look at Ephesians 2, the verses that we were talking about, and we read this, those things go beautifully together, and um, that we're not saved by ourselves. It's by God's amazing grace through faith in Christ alone that we receive salvation. And, and God's grace is going to help us continue to grow to become more like Christ. And it's just the gift that keep, that keeps on on giving. And so as we look into, um, and, and we're not going to go over this in the podcast, because quite frankly, we just don't have the time. But I highly recommend on page 32, it says, how can you know Christ personally? And Randy Alcorn um, does this really beautiful step one through six. And, and I, I think that it's important to read it and it helps you understand sort of the, the, um, the steps to know Christ personally. He talks about how God created mankind in his own image. And um, he said that what he created was really good. And we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And it's just acknowledging the reality, acknowledging the the um, like who we are before Jesus and who we can be after Jesus. And, and we accept that he's the, the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And we get to step four, and it's Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. And that's what we studied today, or we looked at today. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. And that part's very important and countercultural and all the things that Matt was talking about today um with being an athlete and like we work we work we work so that we can boast because here's this here's what we've done but scripture says that uh -uh, this is a gift that no one can boast you did not save yourself you were saved by the power of jesus christ um romans 10 9 says if you declare with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved and in step six that randy highlights here is whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and he will not be judged that has crossed over from death to life. And so Christianity can be summed up that Jesus Christ has the power to um, to move the dead to life and, and dead things come alive because of the power of Jesus Christ and, and the power of the cross. Um, and it is by grace um, alone that, that this is possible. And so I think that... Um, so as we summarize this, Matt, there's two there's two things I, I want to ask just from a practical place, because something that I think is important as we do this podcast, like many of us have families and many of us are married. And so just the the couple things that we've learned about grace today, um, how would you say grace has impacted our marriage or how would you say that grace has the power to impact a marriage? And then whatever you want to say about raising kids. Well, I think uh, grace in a, in a marriage. So when you look at um, all the, I guess, divorce and all of the, like, if you don't, like, we screw it up a lot, right? So, and, so, and, and most of the time, it's not intentional. Like, and, and we, um, and I, I think that when we give each other grace, I think is really the only way that marriage can, 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 survive and thrive because we are sinful uh we do mess it up 
we do hurt each other's feelings and sometimes it's not even on purpose mm -hmm. and we um or you know it just there's just a rhythm of life when you live with somebody and you're doing life and you're a sinful both of you are sinful people to where you screw it up but i think having grace for being able to take god's grace and understand what that looks like and be able to offer that to your spouse is the only way that marriage can thrive because we could all pick each other apart and you know it it, it turns it, it can turn sour and um you know very difficult easily if you don't offer your your partner the grace that god has given us mm -hmm. and so we're never going to do that perfect but if i think we live out of a place of appreciation and gratefulness for the grace that god has given us we can then turn and offer that to our our spouse and when we when they do screw it up or we screw it up or asking for that grace giving that grace it it it, it allows to build stronger relationships it, it it i think it just allows your marriage to thrive because you understand what god has done for us and out of that when you offer grace um first of all when you're given grace the feeling of your spouse saying giving you grace when you screw it up like that you know that is a a feeling of appreciation and 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 i think um i don't know i just think that that's such a huge part of a thriving marriage is mm -hmm. offering each other grace when you screw it up because you're gonna screw it up and like we talk about like sometimes it's not even on purpose yeah but you hurt each other's feelings and sometimes it's not even on purpose but being able to communicate about what we did or i did or you did and then be able to offer that grace is is i think essential and probably the most important thing to marriage health and even parenting and even you know having relationships with their your kids as they get older and being able to admit you're screw it up or you know asking your kids for grace that sometimes we jack it up and so um the reason i think grace is such a big deal is is the foundation of relationship uh, that's healthy mm -hmm. and when we don't offer it and we don't receive it things can get that's where I, where I think things really go so yeah. yeah it's like fertilizer on the grass like I'm thinking about it because it's raining for the first time in a really long time and I'm thinking you know what we have a lot of fertilizer out there and so it's gonna cause it to grow healthy and I think that that's how um that's how it is like God's grace is is like a ton of fertilizer that you can put on a marriage and you can put on a home and it is going to allow the good things to grow in, in our lives and in the walls of this house. And, and I think like just this awareness that these are two imperfect people that are coming together and living in a house and raising imperfect children. Um, newsflash, if you think your kids are perfect, they aren't just wait a couple more years and they'll prove it to you. But it's a thing where like, there's just so much sin. Really I think so. Really? I think I've been around parents that think their kids are perfect. And I'm like, oh, honey, it didn't take long. For like us. they say right here, you know, like, I'll bless your heart. Like it's, it's you're going to be so disappointed here soon. And so anyway, but the point is, is this is like God's grace in a, in like receiving grace from the Lord and in understanding grace and then applying grace into the walls of your home is, is the stuff that that, like you said so perfectly, helps helps it all thrive. It helps it grow into a very healthy place.
And I think there's, there's just not anything more powerful in parenting when you can look at your, your children and you can say, you know what, I was, I was wrong. Please, please forgive me. And, um, and, you know, and, and like to go back to what Bonhoeffer was talking about, it's like, let's not cheapen grace in our marriages. Let's not cheapen grace with our children. Like, let's really do the, Hey, please forgive me. I did this thing wrong. I, I offended you in this way. And then allow, allow your spouse or allow your, your children to see that and, and allow them to, to be gracious to you. And I think that that, that stuff is, is the, is the stuff that changes hearts. It's the stuff that builds like deep roots in a family. It builds trust. It builds like a safety to where they can admit their failure too. Um, you know, and I also think, and I'll, I'll close with this. Um, I also think that the tone in which we do this is super important. I think that we've talked about this before when we talk about, when we talk about marriage, but I know for us, like when, when there's conflict in our marriage, I love you so much that there's a way that I've learned to talk about you. And this isn't a manipulative thing, but this is a kind thing. And I highly recommend wives that are listening to this, like be kind to your husbands when you are offended. Like there's a kindness there that is important because oftentimes you don't realize that you've hurt my feelings or you don't think it's that big of a deal or, or whatever, or you just don't know how to talk about it. You know, I think that that's something that happens in marriages too. Like you just don't know where to even start that conversation. So I would say like, pay attention to ways to speak to your spouse and, and lead with kindness and gentleness and self-control and um, have a conversation that you can get to a place where um, grace is the, is the product or the end product of, of the conversation so you can continue to move forward in your marriage and with your kids. I think a, a thing with parenting too that's often misunderstood is that we don't have to be um, the dominating leader all the time. Like we can have conversations with our kids. Like we don't have to be right all the time. And there's, I mean, there's so much wisdom and beauty in showing your weakness to your kids. And I think that, I mean, that's what I've experienced in our family is, hey, mom messed up. And then there's like, oh yeah. Cause he knows like Ethan knew that I shouldn't have gotten after that teacher the way that I did. Ethan knew that, but you know, and then I tell Ethan like, hey, you know, I should have been a little kinder to that fella you know what I'm saying like Ethan was aware and so it was a cool moment for me to apologize now I probably need to apologize to the teacher on my list of things to do today that's a busy Monday around here all right I'm going to close with this Ezekiel 36 26 through 27 is one of my favorite uh verses in scripture or a couple verses in scripture and I say that a lot but it really say, yeah man, I say that a lot I really like the Bible yeah I like the Bible. I, I do like this. I do like this. It's such a beautiful picture of God's grace and in the power of God's grace. And it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Um, and, and I just think that that's a beautiful picture of God's grace. This is part of the gift of God's grace is that we get this new heart and we get the spirit of Jesus in us. The Holy spirit dwells within us and he's removing um, 
grace removes a heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. And I, and I think a prayer that I pray oftentimes um, with, with uh, my friends that, that aren't believing Jesus at this time, like, God, please let them realize that you have the power to remove this heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And, and um, I love, I love those verses in Ezekiel. It's such a beautiful picture of a life transformed by Jesus Christ. It's not just of, a great bread. Because of grace alone, Ezekiel bread. <laughs> it is a good with avocado and like some feta cheese and yeah. some honey drizzle. That's what Chloe does. Whoa. Yeah, Chloe's a honey okay. drizzler on right. Ezekiel right. toast with avocado and, and cheese. All right. Yeah, that is table 40. Is that what you want me to make you for breakfast? Do you have any of that stuff? I do not. Yeah. Have... It'd be tough. You'd have to uh, turn... go to the store. You'd have to turn and be like uh, turning water into wine. You'd have to turn uh, just normal bread into cereal into cheesy. <laughs> I do have the honey and I do have the cheese. We're not low on cheese around here. So I love cheese. I wish I didn't. I tried to be lactose intolerant for a long time just because I heard it wasn't very good for you. But I just can't. I'm not lactose intolerant. I like you can cheese. Totally tolerate. I can totally tolerate cheese uh-huh. and I love it. All right. This has been fun. Next week, uh, I don't remember what we're talking about, but it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to be with you guys. All right. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Table 40. You can find our podcast everywhere podcasts are found and at thesportspectrum.com. And if you're looking for a great resource, check out the Sports Spectrum magazine and order your copy today. The magazine has wonderful stories on sports and faith, and it's the perfect gift for kids and a sports fan who loves Jesus. Subscribe today to SportsSpectrum.com. And thanks again for checking out our show, and we will see you next time here on Table 40.